Today, find out everything you wanted to know about selling in Amazon Japan, the size of the marketplace, how to get started, regulations you need to be aware of, what kind of products sell best, and more. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the next episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm very honored to have John Kant on the line with me. John, how's it going? Hi there, Bradley. I'm good, thanks. You? I'm doing just delightful. Thank you very much. Genki desu yo. Genki. Anato wa genki desu ka? Genki da yo. Tottemo genki. Ah, fureshi. All right. For those of you who are like, what in the world is happening? Did my my simul dub just get changed or something? Well, we were speaking a little Japanese there. A little history on me. I used to live in Japan when I was little. I speak a little bit. I used to be a sumo wrestler. I don't know if John knew that, but uh, John also used to live in Japan. We're going to be talking about Amazon Japan today. But first of all, let's go back in time, John. I just yeah. gave my little brief story about my experience in Japan. You know, I lived there when I was like 9, 10, 11 and and fell in love with the culture. My dad had a business over there, so we'd always go back and forth. Okay. And then when I came back to America, you know, I, I didn't speak Japanese when I lived there because we were mostly around American people. Uh-huh. But then when I came back, I took it in college and, and for a while I could speak Japanese. Uh-huh. I, I kind of forgot everything though, because you know, if you don't, if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But then I got into amateur sumo wrestling and, and because I love the culture, my car is actually a Nissan Skyline, a right-hand drive. Uh-huh, right. I, I imported it from Japan. I got the Japanese license plate people. People are like, what is this, this guy doing? But yeah, I've got a Nissan Skyline. But what about you? So that, that's my story. How did you get started in the country of Japan? Uh, so it, 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 it comes down to love. I, well, I was living in London and I met a Japanese girl. Uh, she was my girlfriend and she wanted to move back to Japan. So I thought, yeah, I'll give Japan a go for a, a year or two. Uh, and it, it turned into five years, basically, that I spent over there. So I was there. I got a job as an English teacher in junior high school and elementary schools and stuff uh, and taught English there for five years, which was really interesting. I was like, you know, it was a government schools. I was the only non-Japanese person in school. So, yeah, it was proper cultural. Uh, yeah. Ah, you know, are, you, are you still with that girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. She's my wife now. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. All right. Omedetto, omedetto. So let's see. So how long ago was this? Uh, so I lived there from 2005 to 2010. We moved back to the UK then. Okay. So by living there and then having a Japanese girlfriend, is that how you learn Japanese pretty much? Yeah. So when I first arrived, I couldn't speak any Japanese at all. Uh, well, maybe the odd word kind of thing, but yeah, I, I yeah, I, I was clueless. And, uh, but you know, I was living in the countryside. There wasn't too many other foreigners around. And in order to get by and have a good experience in Japan, you know, I needed to learn the language. So I did. <laughs> Excellent. How did you get into like the e-commerce side? Like was Amazon Japan the first thing you ever got into or you started selling on eBay first? You started selling on Amazon UK, Amazon US. What's your yeah. Amazon background? How did that get started? Sure. So um, when we moved back to the UK in 2010, I wasn't, you know, didn't, wasn't sure what I was going to do. Ended up getting into e-commerce, setting up an e-commerce business. Uh, it was it was very localized. It was kind of selling, helping uh, the local shops get on online and uh, helping them deliver and setting up an e-commerce marketplace for them. Um, and then that kind of developed into me helping other grocery shops kind of get online and stuff. Uh, and then kind of called time on that. Well, I developed an app for Shopify and uh, so and then um, did some other t-shirt related e-commerce stuff. 
And then I was using the co-working space or the tech center here where I live and met my current business partner who's been running a private label brand on Amazon for about five years. And he approached me because he decided he wanted to start selling in Japan and he knew that I'd lived there. So we looked at it and thought, yeah, there's a, a good opportunity here. Uh, so we kind of teamed up, set up a business together and that's how it got started. So my business partner, Neil, he's kind of the, the Amazon geek, the Amazon expert kind of thing. And I'm more the, the Japan side of the, of the partnership. So, so, so was he already been, selling like uh, in other Amazon marketplaces and then he was just wanting to get your help to expand to Japan or, or was Japan your first entry into Amazon at all? Yeah, so he, he'd been selling in the UK for a number of years already, uh, his private label brand, uh, and he was looking at ways to grow his business and he, he looked at Japan and thought that was a, an interesting opportunity. So that's, yeah, he asked for my help from the Japan side. That's how it got started. Okay, how did that work out? What year was this? Uh, so this was about two and a half years ago. Now it was uh, 2016 we started. Okay, and then how, so how, how did that business work? launching in Japan, the private label products that he was selling in the UK. How did the Japanese side of that business compare to what he was already doing there in Europe? So we, it was a lot less competitive. There were fewer sellers and the PPC cost, the cost per click was much lower. Um, but the sales were there. We managed to get the product ranked uh, to number one in the best seller of its category. Um, like for like sales were kind of similar, I'd say, to the UK. Um, it was a bit more erratic what he was doing here. He, I think there was, yeah, there was, there was kind of, he could have bigger volumes here in, in some days, but having said that, you know, we, we, we got the product doing reasonably well in Japan too. It was, yeah, it was probably similar, like, like really. Okay. Now for those not aware, what kind of market share does Amazon Japan have or, or what, what's the rank of Amazon Japan compared to like Amazon US or Amazon UK or Amazon Germany, et cetera? So, uh, Amazon US is the biggest, then number two is Germany, and number three is now Japan, and the UK is number four. Um, it, uh, Japan overtook the UK last year to be the third rank, um, so it seems to be growing quite quickly. Um, in terms of market share within Japan, the last days where I've seen, 22% uh, of e-commerce is now done uh, in Japan through Amazon. Okay. And what's number one over there? Rakuten? Uh, Rakuten, yeah, is number one. Although they're, they're about similar. Um, Amazon is, is catching it up fast. If it's not overtaking it already, then and it will do quite soon. I think it's, yeah, it's pretty similar, I think. Okay. So now what if somebody has an Amazon Japan FBA business? Are they able to list on Rakuten and fulfill from Amazon. Like some people, I don't know if you know this, but some people in America do that with like eBay. You know, they set up an Amazon FBA account and they set up these eBay accounts. And then if they sell something on eBay, all they do is like a, a fulfillment order on Amazon. Is that something that people can do in Japan with the other websites like Rakuten? Uh, I guess you could. Yeah. I don't know anybody doing that, but yeah, you can submit fulfillment requests like you do elsewhere. So yeah. Uh, yeah, you could. Does Rakuten have like fulfilled by Rakuten or, or is that all like kind of like a fulfilled by merchant that you have to ship yeah, your own? It's, it's all fulfilled by merchant. Um, and the, the other thing is, well, that it, uh, there's, there's far higher startup costs to get going on Rakuten. You need to kind of create your own sort of store page and you need to use their 
preferred partners to, in order to do this. They only have a limited number of people that they'll let you use to set up your pages. Um, and it costs like a couple of two or $3,000 just to get started with your, with your store. Uh, whereas Amazon, the pricing is the same structure it is, as it is elsewhere in the world where you, you know, you, you can start with a, even a, a personal account where you're not paying the subscription or even the subscription fee, you know, it's sort of 40, $50 a month. Okay. So does it work Amazon Japan, like Amazon USA, like they have Amazon prime and it, and if they order from there, it takes two days shipping pretty much anywhere in Japan or, or is that still in its infancy or how does that work? Yeah, no, they've got prime. Um, it's even faster, I think than the U S I think in parts of Tokyo and Osaka and the big cities, it's even same day delivery. So you, you order by a certain time, but yeah, it, it, yeah, it's gr- growing quickly. The f- Amazon have got the flywheel going and uh, yeah, it's, it's very well established. Okay. So now this is good to know that there's definitely an opportunity over there, but then, so I'm sure our serious seller listeners are wondering, Hey, I'm selling right now in the UK. I'm selling in the U S what is the first steps I need to do in order to, to open up an Amazon Japan account? Because like, for example, here in the U S you know, you have a U.S. account, you kind of already have in Canada and Mexico account and you just have to like cross list. Or if you're listening in, in the UK, it's already, you know, pretty easy to, to list across, you know, the four other marketplaces in Europe, but how does one leverage an existing Amazon account for Amazon Japan? Or do you, is it kind of just like starting from scratch? Um, so yeah, you're right. Um, Japan is classed as a separate territory kind of thing. So it, it, it yeah, you can't, yeah. As, as you so it is like, kind of like starting from scratch. It's not like you have a switch in your Amazon USA account or something that, 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 toggles on Japan or something, right? Uh, it, it's kind of a hybrid of the two. You can connect your US account or European account and add Japan to it. But once you have done, your account is kind of separate account. You, you, there'll be a drop down list in the top when you're logged in to choose the, the country that you're there for. It's a, you'll get a drop down to, you know, the Japan account. But um, in the sense that European accounts <clears throat> Your listings, you can see them across the diff, you know, across Germany and yeah. France and Spain and stuff. You you won't you won't from one portal, you won't be able to see Japan as well within that portal. You'll actually have to select your drop down for Japan. Okay. So what's the requirements for getting that set up? Like so, you know, I, I want to start selling in Japan, whether I'm brand new to Amazon or whether I already have Amazon, you know, some other marketplace. What is Amazon Japan going to ask of me as far as setup goes? Uh, so if you've already got an account, it's fairly straightforward. You you just add Japan as your territory. If you're registering from scratch, then you need to submit your typical information, your driving license and proof of ID and that type of thing. It's again, it's not it's not too it's no yeah, it's very similar to the US and so, so even if I already have if I already have an Amazon US or or UK, that they're not gonna ask me for like, you know, my business information or or some kind of you know certification or anything like that? No, I don't think so. I think you just, you just there's, a, there's a video on uh, Amazon's help website that explains how to add Japan as a, okay. as to your account. Um, and how about bank? Do I, do I, can I have a foreign bank for Amazon Japan or do I have to set up a Japanese bank? Yeah, you can, you, you can send it directly to your U S bank account or European bank account. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, you, you can get stung for currency conversions on in doing it that way. And I know there's a sort of a number of, or third-party currency transfer businesses that you can use as well to 
help save on sending the currency. So it might be better than to set up a Japanese bank and then figure out the currency exchange later, as opposed to just using Amazon service. They kind of, uh, they kind yeah, of rip you I off mean, or something. Or <laughs> There's companies like Payoneer and TransferWise and things mm-hmm. like that, 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 that kind of handle the currency exchange a bit better than Amazon do. You don't get a very good rate with Amazon. So you could uh, use one of those to, to kind of send it to a virtual account in Japan. Uh, but you can just use your own bank account as well. Okay. Now, if, I, if I'm setting up in Japan, do I need to have like a, a Japanese citizen on my account or as like the official representative or me being a foreigner, I can handle everything myself? Uh, yeah, you can handle everything yourself from a, as an overseas company. You don't need a company registered in Japan to be able to do that. Amazon do ask that you offer customer support in Japanese. So that's the, the one thing that you, you'd need help with, I guess. Uh, not you, because you speak Japanese, but, you know. <laughs> not anymore, not anymore. But yeah. <laughs> um, and the other thing that you might need help with is getting your goods into the country. So uh, you, you need what's called an importer of record, uh, which is somebody on the ground in Japan that kind of acts as your representative when the goods arrive through customs. Now, that's do they actually have to do something or is it just kind of like just in name yeah, only? It's just a name on a document, really. They don't need to do anything other than kind of theoretically be responsible. But yeah, there are a number, again, of you know companies that offer that as a service. Um, so that's kind of relatively easy to solve as well. You, you just employ one of these companies that will act as that party for you. And do most people who are selling in Japan, who are, who are foreigners, do they pretty much all send their products directly from their factory to Amazon FBA or do they utilize 3PLs in Japan or what do you see? Yeah, people, all of our clients just send it direct to the uh, FBA centers from their factories in China, really. Uh, I think we've, we've got a couple that maybe send it in smaller batches when they're just starting out with a new product. and you know, sort of test in the market, but, uh, yeah, most send it directly to the FBA centers from their factories. Is it a lot cheaper in your experience to send stuff from China to Japan, as opposed to China to USA or China to UK? Uh, the price it's a little bit cheaper, but not too much cheaper. Um, it's probably about 90% of the cost that it would cost to send it to the UK. But the one big factor is it only takes two weeks kind of from your factory to get in um, to the FBA center. Uh, the shipping time is only two days, which, you know, European sellers, you know, it takes six weeks to kind of get to Europe. And I guess it, it can be similar to the U.S. as well, can't it? Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it takes, it takes a while sometimes. So, yeah. So, you know, you, I think that typically people might think, oh, you know, it's Japan is, way, way, way closer to China, but uh, it doesn't work that way sometimes with the shipping costs. It's because the volume, I imagine the reason is because the volume of shipping in Japan is not that much. So that's why the price is, is higher. Or yeah, I think a lot of the cost, when, when I've looked at the bill, the, uh, the, the, the cost breakdown of the logistics supply, a lot of the costs seem to be the handling charges of actually putting it on the boat and taking it off again and then handling it through customs and all that type of things, which are kind of fixed costs. The actual time it's spent on on the boat is, you know, relatively low. What about custom duties and taxes compared to America and UK? Uh, 
in Japan, you, you pay uh, kind of tax and import duties at the point of arrival. Uh, the tax, um, it adds up to about 13%. The sales tax is about 8% and the import duty is about 5%. Uh, they vary on, uh, depending on your category of goods, but yeah, ballpark figure is about 13%. Oh, 13% is expensive. I was just saying that sounds cheap. All right. Anytime I, I remember how to say something in Japanese, I got to do it because this is the most Japanese I've spoken in, in years. So, anyways. All right. So, uh, are, are you a follower of Sumo much yourself? Uh, I've been to a couple of tournaments when I lived over there. Yeah. Yeah. It was oh, great fun. I'm jealous. I've always, that's been a, one of my bucket list things to actually go right. to a, a pro Sumo tournament. Well, you need to go back then because, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The atmosphere, I imagine, is amazing. Yeah. All right. So what about the kind of products that are popular? You know, like you know, in America, the, the number one products are like wireless earbuds or, or different things like that. Uh-huh. Do you notice that there are certain trends in Japan where you're like, this is a top selling product, but like it would not be popular in America or vice or is it vice versa? Where kind of like whatever is popular in Europe and, and U.S., you see similar similarities with the most popular items in Japan. Yeah, I'd say it's the latter of the two options. Um, a lot of products that do well there are, you know, typical standard products that do well in Europe and the US as well. It's, yeah, people, people, you know, I, I get this question all that, you know, it's one of the most asked questions. I'd say, what products do you think would sell well in Japan? And yeah. it's, don't, don't overthink it. It's probably what you're already selling. Um, now, the, the, there is a kind of, caveat here in the sense that sort of Christmas related products, there are some categories which, uh, you know, wouldn't be a good fit for Japan. So obviously Christmas is not a big thing. Uh, their radiator systems are very different throughout the areas. Mm. You know, people sleep on tatami mats. So maybe yes. something to do with flooring might be a bit different kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, the, the, there's the odd sort of product, you know, that you might come across that I, I can, See and you'd probably realize mm, I'm not sure that would do well. But generally speaking, uh, if it sells well here, it would it would sell well there. What about regulations? Like for example, I know Australia has really strict regulations as far as supplements go. You know, a, lot, a couple of supplement companies wanted to sell in Australia, but they would have to get this crazy certification, and that's why you you rarely see any like diet supplements. But what about Japan? Are there certain kinds of products that are heavily restricted where it's it's very difficult to get into? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, supplements is one and sort of any health-related products. Um, cosmetics need uh, special tests done as well, um, as does any food and food-related packaging-type products. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, food containers, um, any, anything that kind of touches food, um, generally speaking, has to be tested. Uh, toys is another category as well that uh, requires some, some testing and certification. And the unfortunate thing about Japan is they've got their own kind of testing standards, which, although fundamentally are the same as the rest of the world, they don't recognize like US tests or European standard tests kind of thing. So you, you actually have to have your products tested in Japan by a company that kind of recognize that offer the right testing. So I imagine in some categories that can actually, you know, if somebody's patient has the funds enough to do it, 
those would be good categories to get into because maybe there's less competition there because most, you know, might not have the means to be able to enter those markets, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. It's kind of an extra hurdle that you've got to jump over. So it, it can put off, you know, some sellers. Yep, sure. Interesting. Okay. What about making a listing? Obviously, it needs to be in, in Japanese and you're not going to want to use Google Translate. So what are your suggestions for sellers? You know, they have a really great UK listing. They have a really great Amazon Spain listing, whatever. What do you suggest that they do in order to get the listing translated? So the, if you've got a really good listing set up already, then fundamentally it will, you know, the, the benefits and features of your products are pretty much going to be the same for Japan. The way we kind of do it is we, we kind of operate a sort of hybrid of translating and copywriting it in Japanese. So we, look, we look at the foundations of the product, kind of translate it, but then we, we also get uh, one of our Japanese uh, staff to look at it from a Japanese consumer's perspective and kind of think about how they might think about buying such a product and make sure that we include, you know, any sort of Japan specific messages that might be appropriate. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I know a lot of people in other marketplaces make that mistake of just doing direct translation, but I imagine, you know, the thing that somebody searches for in Japan, even though it's the same product, they might use different terms that we we wouldn't think about here in the states yeah i mean uh, to, to give an example uh we had sort of a, a car related product uh, and in japan the, you know you've got your standard cars and then you've got the, the really small cars the k cars yeah with the, um so when we did the, the the listing for this brand uh we made sure that we mentioned that you know it's suitable for k cars as well kind of thing which you wouldn't necessarily think of if you were just translating it but it, you know, Japanese people might think of it that way kind of thing. Oh, can I use it with a small car too? So, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something that, that we wouldn't even think about. The example I always use between like US and UK is, you know, somebody speaking of car companies, you know, you might be offering what we would call here in the US, like a carbon fiber hood or carbon fiber trunk of a car, but nobody uh -huh. in the UK, most people in the UK don't even know what that is because you guys call it a bonnet or a, a boot. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's like, it's, it's the same language even, but it, it's, it's a different, there's in different countries, people use different terminology to, to search and there's different things that we don't, we just don't have, you know, yeah, here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all the same, same principle. Yeah. Yeah. What is a, one, a success story of somebody selling in Amazon Japan where they had a product that's, you know, selling a hundred a day or, or overall they hit seven figures, you know, on Amazon Japan, or is there any success stories that you can share? You know, you don't have to mention names or anything, but just in general, something that could get some, some of the listeners motivated to, to get started over there. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, sales figures are similar to the UK. Uh, so when we first started selling our products, we got it, you know, ranked to the best seller in the category. Um, quite quickly i think uh, it were i'm just trying to think over the numbers it was we we were selling about 40 a day i think when we got to the top of the category which i know by us standards is not you know it's not huge you, <laughs> hey, the 40 the, the a day is, is good in a, in any country i'm sure many of our sellers would love to have a product that sells 40 a day in any marketplace uh -huh. um 
So yeah, that's yeah, that, that's probably the 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 one that stands out so far. Uh, okay. What's the main method of launching that people do? How do they get to you? You talk about getting to the top of the category or getting to page one. Do people do giveaways or is it mostly PPC that people use or, or how do you, how do you get noticed in Japan? Senpai notice me, right? How do you do that? <laughs> so we, we, well, we, we like to do PPC on our, on Amazon. PPC is uh, what, what we kind of advocate really. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it's kind of the long game in some ways, you know, the, the, yeah. yeah, but it, it, it works. You've just got to kind of stick at it and you know, you, your initial PPC money is marketing money. Um, and the, the good thing is that there's the cost per click in Japan are much lower than they are in the UK. About, about a third of the price is in the UK. So it's oh, wow. kind of affordable to be able to do that. I think, you know, it's not, not crazy like it is over here. So is it similar um, in Japanese Seller Central where you're setting up a campaign and then it suggests the words that you probably should should target or, or do, do they just set up an auto campaign and then you see what converts or how, how does somebody, you know, who doesn't speak the language even get started to know what to target in, sure, in so PPC? They've got auto campaigns, which we always set up uh, for a new product because that's a way of generating genuine search term data. Um, and then we, we also set up broad match around what we think are the most relevant um, terms for that particular product as well. To, to so do the reports come out in hiragana or in, in uh, Western characters? Uh, they, yeah, yeah the, the search term reports are all in Japanese. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So yeah. then, yeah, that, there's another part where you would need kind of somebody to help you go through that information to figure sure, out. Yeah, how to, I mean, yeah. the PPC data can be quite complex because... You've got the three Japanese alphabets. You've got the hiragana, katakana, and kanji. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's almost three different ways of somebody, uh, you know, potentially writing a product into the search bar. Uh, so an example on this would be uh, we, we had a company that was selling hairbrushes. Now, uh, the general word for hairbrush is kushi, which is written in uh, Hiragana. Okay. And there's also another word called hairbrushi, which is oh, kind yeah, of yeah. Uh-huh. Katakana <laughs> then. the katakana version. Yeah. Uh, and originally when we set the listing out, we thought kushi was going to be the number one kind of search term. And, you know, that, that's the general phrase that people would use, but it basically accounted for about 5% of sales and all the search volume was around the term hairbrush. So, so, so that's, that, that just brings up something I never even thought about with these three alphabets are each of those considered their own, you know, search terms where, where like there are a portion of the population who is searching using the hiragana alphabet, but is the kanji version of the kanji alphabet version of that word, even though the word is exactly the same, is that like considered a different yeah. search or that's, yeah. that's considered the same search? Yeah, no, it's considered a, a difference. Uh, wow, yeah. that's crazy. That that would really complicate things when, when trying to prioritize, you know, keywords. Yeah, yeah. So it adds a little extra level of complexity, I guess. Sounds but, like you guys really need Helium 10 to, to come up with some Japanese search term prioritization tools. Yeah. I'm gonna have to, <laughs> yeah, that'd I'm be gonna good. Have to, I'm going to have to check on that. All right. Well, um, we're almost out of time here. Give me a funny story. Like when I lived in Japan, th- funny things would happen, you know, being a gaijin or, or foreigner, you know, in Japan, funny uh-huh. things would always happen. But do you have any fun stories of your 
what was it, two, uh, 2005 to 2010, you said you were living in Japan? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I used to teach in elementary schools. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I, it, was, it, it was hot in summer times. So I'd be wearing short sleeves and uh, I've got quite hairy arms. And some of the kids would kind of come up to me and start stroking my arms. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Japanese people uh, do not really have hairy arms. So that would be kind of interesting. So I was like, Inu Janayo. Gorilla this guy. Inu Janayo. Not a dog. Not a dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I've heard of stories where some female teachers, uh-huh. Not, not by the male, not by the male students, but just the female students were, were just enamored with certain body parts, I guess you would say, of, and they would actually ask to, if they could feel it. I'm like, it's just like something culturally, that's something culturally normal. Like, Hey, we're just, you know, yeah. this is something interesting to us, but it's like for us as, as Westerners are like, are you seriously asking to touch, you know, this yeah. or whatever? Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah. but it was a good experience, right? I mean, I, I loved living in Japan. And I'm sure you, you did too. Right. Yeah, no, it's great. I love Japan. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Is that something that could help? Like what if somebody is starting an Amazon Japan business, would it actually help to be, have boots on the ground maybe for a couple of years to get it started to be there in Japan or it's not, that's not too much of a requirement. I, I mean, it's good to have knowledge. And I, I guess if, if anybody's thinking, oh yeah, I wouldn't mind a trip to Japan. Let's, let's, start selling on FBA Japan, but then you could probably use it as a perfectly good excuse to go over there and stuff. Nice. So, and then yeah. if your Amazon business fails, you could just stand on the street corner and say, touch my hairy arms for 100 yen and maybe make some, maybe exactly. make some money. You, you <laughs> can make a couple of hundred yen. <laughs> no, I mean, they, they have, I mean, uh, we're laughing at that, but you know, people don't even realize in Japan, they, there's people who make businesses like, cuddle with me for, for 30 minutes, yeah. you know, for this or, or stand on the street and punch me in the the face or the cut <laughs> and, you know, for a hundred yen. I mean, th- there's literally people who do, who do stuff like this in Japan, but. Yeah. 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 Right? I remember when, when, uh, do you, do you have cat cafes in the yes. States? No, I no, they, but I've, I've seen that in Japan. I, I know exactly. Your, I've never been to one, but I, I've right. seen that in Japan. That's so crazy. Yeah. Cause they, they started in Japan, I think. And we, we, we there's a few in England now as well. I've noticed, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll probably be heading your way soon too. Then, but that was that was like, what on earth that is that when I first came across? But, so somehow we've gone from talking about opportunity on Amazon to hairy arms and cat cafe. <laughs> so I think we better close it now. So if any, going back to Amazon, if somebody would like your help, they want to ask you some more questions. How uh, help them get started selling on Amazon Japan? How can they reach you? Sure. So we got the website is Rising Sun Commerce, all one word dot com. If you head to that, then uh, yeah, you'll you'll find our details and stuff and uh, got the email address, phone number on there. So just send me a message if you've got any questions. Risingsuncommerce.com. All right. Well, John, arigato gozaimasu. Otsukare samadashita. Thank you very much for your help with this. And thank you very much. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks a lot, John.